0: was 2002. America was at war in Iraq. A good friend said something that made me think he was against the war, but he said it casually, like he assumed I agreed. I didn't. My father is a soldier. He gave years of his life to the army, 25 months of it in Vietnam. My uncles were soldiers, a couple of great uncles too. One of them was Tom Turnage, serving at the Pentagon as director of selective service. I felt my face flood with heat. Don't you believe some wars are just? I asked my friend. Then I walked away and studied to prove him wrong. After a couple years of reading, talking, and praying, I found myself at an unforeseen crossroad. I had to choose between God and pragmatism. I realized the just war doctrine by the admission of its many authors was not written to help Christians be faithful, but to be practical, to preserve their lives and their way of life. Pragmatism is the God of just war theorists, not the God of the Bible. I had been no better. Every war discussion I'd ever had eventually devolved into me asking the question, What are we supposed to do then? Let them kill us? Or the more personal version, what if someone breaks into your house and rapes your wife? Lacking a biblical foundation for what I believed about war, I'd always argued instead without realizing it that violence was practical and therefore godly. I felt sick realizing that I had made God in my own image in this way. I had decided what was right by first asking what was best for me. I wondered what would happen if I always decided right and wrong this way. What if the men and women of the Bible had discerned God's will this way? Would Jesus have gone to the cross? Would he have taken the sword from Peter's hand in the garden? Would the gospel have ever been preached in Jerusalem and beyond? If God's will is always that which protects my life and my way of life, then I will have no need of God. My life is paramount, my will is chief, and I am God. I talked through this with an older, wiser Christian who had also served in the military. I told him I didn't want to, but I was feeling the need to at least ask God what he thought about war and then seriously study scripture and Christian history. Well, he said, if it turns out that following Jesus means America's taken over by Muslims, I just can't follow Jesus then. I don't want to know. Sean Groves, God or Pragmatism. I'm not certain today whether or not pacifism is true. That's not the point of this article either. The point is that God has used my questioning of Christian pacifism to teach me a great deal about myself. Namely, that so often I've gone about getting at the truth all wrong. The truth is not practical. It is not always the thing that preserves my life or solves a problem quickly and permanently. The truth is tied to context. What is true then and there for them is not always true at all times everywhere for everyone. The truth is not determined by my obedience. If the only commands of God are the ones I can always and easily keep, then God's not asking much of us. Sean Groves, what pacifism taught me about the truth and myself. I've seen a lethargic infant girl held in the skeleton arms of her mother. I've heard eyewitnesses tell stories of how religious warfare destroyed their life and nation. I've prayed with a leper whose healing has never come. I've been rebutted by eloquent atheist apologists spewing razor-sharp logic and philosophy, and none of this made me doubt the historicity, truth, and power of the Christian faith. The infant languishes in poverty because of injustice, and the Bible assures us there will always be injustice. We're given a role in combating it, comforting those trampled by it, but are warned of its pervasiveness. My faith is not shaken by injustices, but arms me against it. Nations and innocents are ravaged by warfare because of pride, pragmatism, and a lack of creativity. The Bible tells us that peace is something made imaginatively and diligently hammered out on the anvil. Few do this work. Most choose instead to put self-interest and immediate need ahead of the ultimate, faithful imitation of God. Love your enemy. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. My faith is not shaken by violence but outlaws it and provides a supernatural alternative. The suffering of the sick is bruising from the fall. We pray with the sick, live with the sick, serve the sick, and sometimes they're healed in an instant, healed by medicine, healed in time, and sometimes not at all. Together, sickness and the rarity of healing make the revelations of God known as miracles possible. If every prayer was answered, every affliction cured, they would not be called miracles, but ordinaries, and we would neither notice them nor credit them to God. My faith is not shaken by sickness, but essential to face it. Atheist evangelists are just fully clothed, Adams and Eves, unable to believe in a God whose parameters they disdain and character they distrust as if a creator's existence hinges upon creator's creation's approval. A God I don't like or understand at times is no less God. Their reasoning is unreasonable, and as old as the Bible, they try their damnedest to disprove. My faith is not shaken by atheism that serves God's purpose by proving God's thoughts are not my thoughts. But today my faith is shaken. Two friends are in conflict. One will leave the church they both attend. Two people unable or unwilling to admit fault to confess wrong, to beg forgiveness and to give it, to move forward, leaving the offenses in the forgotten past. Two people, the Bible says, are possessed by Jesus himself, their hearts supposedly tilled by the Holy Spirit to yield love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Two people who stood in the water and pledged their allegiances to Jesus as Lord over their sin and death, their thoughts and feelings and relationships and hurt. They both went under, dying to self-interest, self-preservation, self-satisfaction, and came out of the water to live a new kind of life. I've seen this too many times. I've done this too many times. I'm angry at us. My faith is shaken. Is it a lie that we Christians are aliens in this world, living and thinking and loving differently? Is it a lie that we're even able to deny ourselves and follow Jesus to that peace table? Is it a lie that I can love you more than myself? Is it a lie that I can be wronged and still stay, still hope, still work for reconciliation? Is it really true that Christianity is authentic and Christ is powerful? Two friends are answering that question right now the way that I and too many Christians in the churches I've called family over the years have with a resounding no. No, God can't make this right. Well, if God can't, then Christianity is a lie and Christ is impotent. I believe. Help my unbelief. I'm shaken. Sean Groves. What causes me to doubt Christianity? Compromise where you can, where you can't, don't. Even if everyone is telling you that something wrong is something right, even if the whole world is telling you to move, it is your duty to plant yourself like a tree, look them in the eye and say, no, you move. Peggy Carter, Captain America, Civil War. Judy, you ever wonder how your mom and me got to be so darned happy? Well, we gave up on our dreams and we settled, right, Vaughn? Oh yes, that's right, Stu, we settled hard. See, that's the beauty of complacency. If you don't try anything new, you'll never fail. Zootopia. Are you familiar with the marshmallow test? Researchers at Stanford offered kids one marshmallow now or two later. The ones who chose to wait generally had more success later in life because of their ability to delay gratification. This is my only point. We are offered something greater than marshmallows. Even if we have to wait our whole lives, that's a blink in terms of eternity. We're constantly tempted to cut corners, to cheat, to settle. Jesus was too. In the desert, the devil offered him the opportunity to avoid pain. He could have glory right then, without the cross. Jesus declined. Sight and Sound Theater's musical, Jesus, repeats this struggle in Gethsemane. Satan whispers, we can find another way. That's the same lie he's been peddling from the beginning. He's still at it today. It's easy to be obsessed with the world we can see, hear, taste, smell, and touch. We are embodied for a reason. Our physicality and the attendant needs are not distortions from the fall, but specks of our good design. Life here is not a distraction, but neither is the big picture. We're not just to endure however many days are counted out for us. We're to enjoy, to overcome, come what may. We can't do that if we're committed to convenience, though, if we hold security sacred. The ways of the spirit are alien to the flesh. Of course they're weird, but it's our perspective of normal that's skewed. Ask God the hard questions and await hard answers. Don't dismiss the truth just because it seems awful or impossible or both. Jesus is the truth. Jesus sets you free. So live free, not fake, not fooled, not fated. Live fully.